You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, I'm going to be talking quite a bit, or, you know, to some degree, about the playoff games today, because, I mean, let's face it, that's kind of the most interesting thing that's happening today. Maybe you disagree and you're more interested in Adam Gase. I don't know. To each his own. We're going to talk about that, too. But um, that's pretty much it. We got that, we got Gase, and then there is... Um, I can already feel it bubbling up. There's going to be rumors about Von Miller. I'm thinking it's going to get shot, you know, hoping it's going to get shot down quick. But I, I can feel it bum, bubbling from underneath. And, and to be fair, I talked about Von Miller possibly being traded, jeez, I don't know, prior to the season starting? Just because, well, well, we'll talk about why. I mean, it's just kind of, if you look at their contract situation and his contract situation, it's kind of one of those oh-my-goodness kind of situations that kind of brings that question to your mind. But we'll talk about that. However, before we get there, Patreon.com, if you'd like to support the podcast, we've got a link in the description if you'd rather not do a month-to-month thing. If $1 a month is a little too steep for your blood, there's always the one-time donation, all of which are appreciated, whichever you choose. As long as you choose one, otherwise you're dead to me. <laughs> I'm kidding, it's a podcast, it's free. Just just come on, come in, sit down, be quiet. Or don't, because I can't hear you and you're not distracting me. I just feel bossy today and I want to tell you what to do. Just don't worry about it. Packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information. Don't forget the little gear icon to set your own personalized news feed. It would be greatly appreciated if you would jump in the, uh, what is it called, the Facebook group, that's what it's called. Packernet Podcast is the name, type it in, look it up, should be the only one there, click on it. Ask me to join. I will say, yes, you are approved, because I really don't care. I don't think I've ever actually looked into anybody. Like, I don't know, man. Dude's got a man bun. I don't, I don't know about this. Might have to shoot this one down. I don't care, man. Come on in. Just don't talk about your hair, and we'll be fine. We'll get along just fine. If you'd like to uh, text or call in a question, 608-501-0718. That would be the phone number that you can use. Finally, NFLBigBoard.com. I just did a very, very big update yesterday. And because I'm never satisfied with anything ever, I not only updated it, so now we have, how many we got here? 395. We're pushing 400 prospects. I've added two new big boards. Um, There's also another big board that I took off the list because they haven't updated it. Well, they updated it, so I added them back on. So technically, there's three new big boards. But beyond that, if you head over there, you will notice that uh, we have the rank, the player, the position, the school they go to, a button that takes you to their highlights, a button that takes you to their film, a button that takes you to their news, like recent news, a button that takes you to their report, which I'm working with somebody about getting our own personalized reports, which would be cool, so it's not just taking you off to another site. But anyways, then you have their average, which average just means average rank because this is an aggregator, so... Uh, like, for example, Jonah Williams, who jumped up to the number four spot. Congrats, Mr. Jonah Williams. Um, his average rank is 9.28, meaning across these, whatever, 28 boards or whatever, uh, 9.28 is the average rank given. It's kind of weird, but uh, don't worry about it. The math is correct, I promise you. 
But then the final little category here that I added is plus or minus, which is, as it sounds, how much they increased or decreased. The only problem with this is all the, I, I put new in the, for people that are new to the list, all that just showed up as a zero. So whatever. There's, there's no change or they're new would be what that is. But otherwise, for example, you can see the first three here. Nick Bosa, Ed Oliver, and Quinnen Williams, one, two, and three. There's no change. And then, boom, Jonah Williams goes up one, who went down one, Greedy Williams. So they just swap places. So actually, let's just talk about it real quick, because uh, why not? We'll talk a little draft, since that's the focus of the Packers. Cleveland Farrell and, and Jeffrey Simmons swap places. Cleveland jumped, Jeffrey uh, dropped, which makes me sad, because I like Simmons, and I'm not a huge fan of Cleveland. Josh Allen, everybody's favorite guy, jumped up two spots. Not what Packers fans want to hear, but some people legitimately have him top five. So he is now in the number 10 spot, making him pretty much out of our reach unless we trade. And no, I don't want to trade up for Josh Allen. I'm sorry. Sean Gary dropped. Byron Murphy jumped up one spot. Ja'Kai Polite jumped up a spot. The edge rushers are moving up, man. Defensive tackle Raekwon, one of my favorite guys, dropped three spots. Makes me want to cry. Guess where he dropped, though, number 14. <laughs> the Packers are going to draft Raekwon Davis. I'm going to be the only Packer fan on the entire planet that's happy about it. DeAndre Baker, cornerback out of Georgia. Uh, a lot of people like him a lot. Greedy, I think, is, is well, he already did, did drop a spot. But I think the cornerback, there's going to be a big shuffle. It might kind of get a little bit closer together, but Greedy's going to fall. Uh, Byron Murphy, he moved up a spot. DeAndre Baker moved up three spots. I think you're going to see them start to squeeze in the middle. Noah Fant dropped one. Malk, Malk Wilson isn't even supposed to be on my list because he is. Um, he decided to go back to school. So that's another thing. This takes me hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And the one thing that I'm not really doing is going through every single player to see if they're there or not. I did a cursory check. I took about five people off the list that I could find that said they're not uh, going to be playing in or you know going to be in the NFL next year. But uh, apparently somehow I missed Mac Wilson, so I'll have to do that today. I'm just going through the first round, guys, by the way. Dwayne Haskins, quarterback. Uh, he's up to 21. He moved up five spots. DK Metcalf, wide receiver out of Mississippi, dropped one. Uh, Dexter Lawrence dropped three. Probably has something to do with him getting into trouble, or maybe just because he's not that great. I don't know, whatever. I don't really like any of the Clemson players as much as they're hyped, just being honest. Kelvin Harmon, wide receiver, dropped a spot. Greg Little, Mississippi offensive tackle, moved up two. Draymond Jones, one of the guys I liked early on, although I'm kind of not as much anymore. Moved up three spots. A.J. Brown dropped a spot. Derek Brown, defensive tackle out of Auburn, dropped three spots. Zach Allen, edge rusher out of Boston College, moved up three into the first round. Devin Bush, linebacker out of Michigan, jumped up five spots. He is now our number 32. And I might as well add in one more bonus here. Mr. Marque Marquise Brown, Marquise, whatever, better known as Hollywood Brown, moved up seven spots. So everybody's real big on him, want the Packers to take him in the first round. I have not done that because when I do my mocks, I use my own board, so I just can't do it. But it's pretty clear he's moving up real fast, and a lot of the other wide receivers are moving down. So based on the trajectory, very possible he's the number one gone off this list. We'll see what happens. DK Metcalf is still way ahead of him at uh, pick 22. But anyways, there's your, uh, your NFL draft update for this week. About the goings-on as best as I can see it. But uh, let's see, what should we do first? Let's talk Von Miller because most people probably don't know what I'm talking about. I just saw it this morning. I saw um, I saw something from Aaron Nagler saying, but what if we give him two firsts? And I kind of followed that train. And apparently, <sighs> I don't know why we don't realize that this is just nothing at this point. If somebody gives a nothing answer, we use that to confirm what we are 
asking. So the question asked was, would you consider trading Von Miller? And essentially, here's how this goes. Either you say, no, we're not trading him, or you're trading him. In other words, if you say, I don't know, or we're going to look into all of our options, which is what he said, or whatever, that means, yes, we're planning on trading him. In the minds of media and some fans. So let's talk about it, because as I've said, I looked at it too, and it was like, this is kind of an unsustainable kind of situation here. And I've, I've, I'm, I'm positive I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but let's talk about it again. So his salary cap hit this year in 2018 was $10 million, which is way too small. He's definitely worth more than that. Here's the thing, 2019, you know what his salary cap hit is? $25 million. 13% of their total salary cap, the highest paid player on their entire team. 2020 is $25.6 million, and 2021, $22 million. This is what they now have to pay him for the remaining three years on his contract. If they decide to cut him this year, pre-June 1st, they would save $5 million in addition and have to pay up $19 million. And then as we talked about, that means he's completely off the books, meaning in 2020, they would save $25.6 million, and in 2021, they would save $22 million. If they do a post-June 1st cut or trade or whatever, uh, they would save $17 million this year, and then uh, what would it be, about $12 million they'd have to pay out next year. So they would save almost $14 million next year. So uh, whatever I said, 17, then 14, then he's off the books. But here's the thing. You only do that if you're in desperation mode. And if they do that, it means that they don't know how to manage their salary cap. Now, just looking at it, I'm saying this is not a good situation. You don't generally want to do things like this. But again, it's only if you absolutely have to and you have no other recourse. Well, looking at their salary cap, even with Von Miller on the cap in case Keenum getting $21 million, which is hilarious. They're looking at $46.7 million in in available cap space. So they're not really hurting, right? It's not like, (laughs) I mean, again, with $25 million allocated to Von Miller, they have $46 left, which leads me to believe they kind of understood their salary cap situation at the time and realized we can weather this storm. Now, they do have some big free agents coming up, kind of, I mean, not like massive, massive, but there's a good number of names that they may want to hang on to. And if, you, if, if anybody for some reason is wondering why I'm talking about the Denver Broncos on a Packers podcast, it's because the implication is the Packers could essentially trade their two first-round picks to get Von Miller. And if you're wondering my answer to that question, it would be, are you kidding me? Of course I'd be willing to do that. I would probably give them our first next year. No, I wouldn't, but I'm just saying, yes, yes, I would. I would do that. I'd cry a lot, like a lot because I'm, I'm obsessed with the draft, and for the first time ever, the Packers get two picks, and that makes me super happy. But yeah, I would do it. So, but anyways, they've got Jared Valdir, their right tackle, currently making about $7 bucks a year. He's definitely declining, hasn't had a good year in about two years or whatever. But they don't have a lot of options outside of that, so kind of one of those questions. Maybe you bring him back for less than seven if you can. I don't know. Um, they've got uh, Domata Pecco which I hate saying it that way because I've been saying uh, Domata Pico for a long time. Apparently it's Domata Pecco. Uh, He's up for one, but I think they've got a pretty solid defensive line if they wanted to let him walk. I mean, the guy's 35 years old. Um, Brock, their cornerback. You know, I mean, Matt Paradise, real good center. Shaquille Barrett, outside linebacker. Shane Ray, outside linebacker. Bradley Roby at corner. Um, You know, they've got some people here that they've got to consider. But either way, I just don't see how they're in such a financial pinch that they would allow themselves. I mean, I really, yeah, cut Jared Valdir 
and bring in anybody for any amount of money because who cares? Bring in some bust player at right tackle if it means we keep Von Miller because he's Von Miller. But let's just say it doesn't add up and we're, we're not doing this. There's still two problems, right? We, we want to sign all these guys and uh, we're out of money. What are we going to do? Well, before I would cut Von Miller, there's two options. One would be to cut players on our current team that we don't want and could free up some money. For example, we're paying this year Emmanuel Sanders $13 million. Are you kidding me? Now, Emmanuel Sanders is a really good wide receiver, but again, do I want to pay him $11 million or $13 million so that I have to cut Von Miller? No. No, thank you. I would, I would keep Von Miller, cut Emmanuel Sanders, and save $10 million. Beyond that, there's also restructuring Von Miller's contract or... I don't know about restructuring, but uh, I see. I, I don't know. It, apparently, you can restructure his contract to uh, to save money, but it's it's kind of difficult to do that because restructure just means push out more money. Extending would be the best way to do it because then you're not really. <clears throat> How do I say this? You're just kind of stretching it out. When you stretch something out, what do you do? You thin it, right? You make it smaller. So you take that down to, I mean, if you take three years down to 15 million, well, you wouldn't want to do that much. Take it down to 20 million, you've got 10, 12 million dollars. I think extension would make more sense, even though he's very, very old. I, I, doesn't matter, especially if you plan on doing it in such a way that there's basically no guarantees. Maybe do somewhat of a restructure so that you kind of take some of that money, give it to him like as a bonus. In other words, we'll just hand you right now a 10 million dollar check so that we can push some money out into a year that we can all pretty much be assumed is a year that we're just going to cut you because there's no guaranteed money left and you're 35 years old. And you and your agent know that. But again, here's a $10 million check to bribe you to just sign on the dotted line. I don't know. Whatever. Point is that that, that would be the worst, the worst thing ever. Worst thing ever. Just doesn't make sense. As much as I looked at it before and said, there's, this is unsustainable, they're going to have to cut or trade him. No. No, I'm, I'm willing to do a lot of drastic things before I get rid of Von Miller, who, by the way, as I've mentioned before, is one of the only people I've ever seen, maybe the only person I've ever seen, who, according to Pro Football Focus, has been elite every year, including his rookie year. Elite. Every year. Khalil Mack is close, but he didn't do it in his rookie year. He's also just been barely elite just about every year. So yes, if you're wondering, that's me saying Von Miller is better than Khalil Mack. So, stick that in your pipe, Piper. Let's move on. There was uh, some late-breaking news that the Green Bay Packers are scheduled to interview with Mr. Adam Gase. I've already talked a little bit about Adam Gase. Essentially what I was talking about, and I don't even remember the context or why I was talking about them, but it was the... Oh, I was talking about teams and how some teams are overperforming and underperforming, and one of the most overperforming teams, in my opinion, was the Miami Dolphins. I looked at that team and I said that this is a team with no talent whatsoever. I said they were going to be getting the first pick in the draft. There was no question about that in my mind. So essentially we have two different ways of looking at things. I look at things and I see a 7-9 and nine Miami Dolphins team and I say they won seven more games than I expected. Now maybe I didn't actually expect them to go zero wins, but I kind of was a little curious as to how they were going to get their first win. Other people look at it, including the Miami Dolphins, and say 7-9 and nine is unacceptable, and Adam Gase is garbage and needs to go away, and that's what you get. Those are screaming children, by the way. And also using the little hacky sort of formula that I did, if you look at Pro Football Focus and their overall grades for teams, the Miami Dolphins had the fourth worst overall graded team in the NFL. Now, their record was 16th worst. In other words, they did overperform. They had the worst passing offense in the NFL. The worst. Not one. Not The Arizona Cardinals were better. The Buffalo Bills were better. 
the Jets, the Bears, the Redskins, the Jaguars, all better than the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Tannehill was graded as the 38th best quarterback this year. Now, he was hurt, so you can say that's not Tannehill's fault, but it's also not Ryan Gase's fault. He missed X amount of weeks with a shoulder injury. Who's his running back? Kenyon Drake? He's not good. Amendola, Parker, and Stills? They're all mediocre. They're fine, I guess. Laramie Tunsil is an okay left tackle, and, and Jawan James is a decent right tackle. Their interior offensive line is trash. Look at their defense. McTire, Aikens, and McCain are their cornerbacks. Exactly. I don't know who they are either. They're garbage. I mean, this is 2016 Green Bay Packers corners right here. This is really bad. Cameron Wake is still the best player on this team. Let me just let me just summarize it that way. They're, they're Minka Fitzpatrick, their rookie, not very good. They don't have any defensive tackles. They don't have any linebackers. They don't have any corners. They don't have a center or a guard. They don't have wide receivers. They don't have a tight end. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have a running back. And you're supposed to look at Adam Gase and say, ha, this guy's no good. He only went 7-9. and nine. Only? <laughs> How do you get seven wins? How does this team get seven wins? With what? Doing what? And yeah, I mean, we, we did play the Dolphins, and we did beat the Dolphins, and you could look at it and say that this is a good opportunity to sit down with Gase, who is an intelligent offensive mind, to be able to do some self-scouting if you wanted to go that route, but I don't think we need to even take it there. They went 3-0 and to start the season, beating the Titans, the Jets, and the Raiders. Jets and Raiders are nothing, but they beat the Titans, which is kind of something. They lost to the Patriots, which, okay, and as I understand, I don't know, this is a comment I got, they got ravaged by injuries after we, after week three. So they got smoked by the Patriots, they got beat by the Bengals, and then what did they do? They beat the Bears in overtime 31-28. to Where in the world did that come from? They lost to the Lions, they lost to the Texans, who are incredibly good, they beat the Jets, then they lost to the Packers. They come out of the bye, they, they lose to the Colts by only three points. Colts are very good, they're in the playoffs, they're some people's favorite team right now. They beat the Buffalo Bills, and then they beat the Patriots. I know there's a little bit of a weird history, but I, I I can only buy into this weird history stuff so much. The New England Patriots team and coaching staff and quarterback versus the Miami Dolphins team and quarterback, who, by the way, just came back in Week 12, and this is only Week 14. How does that team beat the Patriots? Yeah, and then they lost three in a row, which is garbage and probably didn't help Adam Gase, right? If When you lose 41 to 17 to the Vikings, then you lose to the Jaguars, then you lose 42-17 to the Bills. That's not great. But again, he's not a defensive guy and their defense was trash and and, and even so the defense is just there's nobody there. So yeah, you got put up 42 point Buffalo Bills put up 42, Vikings 41, Patriots 33, Packers 31. And we couldn't put up points on anybody. Texans 42, Lions 32, Patriots 38. I mean, a lot of teams putting up big numbers. And yeah, to some degree, it's it's year three. We need to see, start seeing some results from the Miami Dolphins, and we're not seeing it, so fine. How long can you stick with this guy, I guess? But it's such a it's such a complex thing, and there's so many different variables. If anything, I'm going to fire Chris Gear, uh, Greer, their general manager. There's no talent on this team. Whose fault is that? That's Adam Gase's fault? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, if, if I'm firing Gase, I'm firing Greer, too, because he has not done nothing. He has done nothing to give me talent. You drafted Minka Fitzpatrick, the guy's not very good. Then in the second round, you draft a tight end? With all these needs, you drafted a tight end? Guess what? He's not very good. You're playing Nick O'Leary. You know why? Because Mike Kosicki's not good. Jerome Baker wasn't a terrible pick in the third round, but then you come back again and draft another tight end, Durham Smythe. What are you doing? Then you get a running back, Kalen Balaj. 
Why are you getting these ridiculous pieces? Kalen Balaj isn't even playing. They, just just nothing. Two tight ends that are not very good. You got Minka that's not doing very well. You got a running back that's not even playing. I mean, these are not good pick. First round pick last year was Charles Harris. Guess who's not a starter? Charles Harris. He's garbage. Second round pick last year, Raekwon McMillan. Guess who's garbage? Raekwon McMillan is garbage. Get rid of their GM, man. I, I, that just drives me nuts. Why, do, why Is it just easier? Like, do owners just form better relationships with GMs and they're like, oh, I don't know, let's get rid of the coach because that's just the easy thing to do? I don't know. That, it's not the point. I don't know that Adam Gase is a good coach. I'm just looking at how, how, how do I best analyze the performance of a coach when he's on a terrible team? What, what, what are some fair expectations for a coach? And when I look at that team, I think if somebody said, is 7-9 and nine fair, I would say yes. If he gets to 7-9, and nine, I would call that a successful season with that team. That's my personal opinion. Beyond that, it's really hard to get a gauge on other stuff. I mean, you, you look at Chicago, and it's like, well, that wasn't a very good offense. It's like, yeah, but it, I mean, it was basically the same as it was the year prior. And it's, just, it's, it's hard to judge somebody when they were, somebody for, well, they were somewhere for a year. You look at the Denver Broncos. Well, he was a stud with the Broncos. Yeah, but 2013-2014 Broncos were pretty good. But what were the 2012 Broncos? They were 13-3 and with the number two scoring offense and the number four offense as far as yards. They were also number four in points against and two in yards. So, I mean, you talk about a dominant football team. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing that they lost in the playoffs to the Baltimore Ravens. What an absolute. I mean, the defense, holy cow. Again, don't want to go on tangents, but they gave up 38 points. The defense just laid an egg, man. But anyways, I mean, it's just, he came into a good situation, and it was good. He got hired by the Bears, he came into a bad situation, it was still bad. He went to the Dolphins, it was a bad situation, it was still bad. The only thing I can tell, better or worse, is that the Miami Dolphins did better than I expected. Beyond that, something else that people are talking about is how difficult and complex it is, and maybe one of the reasons that a lot of people from the Bill Belichick coaching tree fail is because they have that whatever that system is called, that goofy thing that basically nobody... It's, a, it's literally a Patriot system. It was developed by the Patriots for the Patriots. When they say Tom Brady is a system quarterback, I mean, it's, it's literally... This is a system designed for them, for their quarterback, for, for their team, and it works for them. But when guys like Bill O'Brien try to take that to the Texans and implement it with the Texans, it just doesn't work too well. Now, it's doing a little bit better now that they have a really good rookie quarterback who came into that system from ground zero and they have the number one wide receiver in the NFL, in my opinion, in DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, their offense can look a little bit better. But the point is, especially right out of the gate, it, it takes a little while. Meaning, maybe the best course of action would be to find somebody that runs a West Coast offense. Now, understand, that doesn't mean Mike McCarthy offense. The Rams run West Coast offense. A lot of these high-flying teams, it's just variations. But West Coast is more of a general philosophy. The actual play calling and, and scheme and plays in particular are all different. But keeping it West Coast means we don't have to go to Rogers and say, forget everything you've ever known, we're starting from scratch. It's just same system, same philosophy, different plays. We'll try to keep the terminology somewhat similar. I mean, the terminology is getting completely changed if, if we go with uh, the, the Mr. Patriots man. Adam Gase is West Coast. That's, that's one of the best. Well, most of these guys, I think, are West Coast guys. But that's, that's an additional advantage. So... All that to say, I don't really have an opinion. I'm actually surprised to see how many people, and I mentioned this before, are pro-Adam Gase. And it kind of makes sense. Beyond that, and I really don't know if we have time to talk about this today. All right, let's just do it really quickly. Just because I, I... With the way my brain works, everything needs to be logical. And the NFL just isn't. And it drives me crazy. 
because I'm trying as hard as I can to dig and to, to break everything down into numerical values and to say, okay, if you add this to this, then the outcome is going to give you the answer. And there's just, there's never an answer. I just want to show you something that makes absolutely no sense just to give you an example of how we have no idea what's going to happen, but not only what's going to happen, what's going to be a good outcome. Everything is just a matter of right place at the right time, I guess. I, I, I really don't know what makes things work in the NFL. It's one of those things, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. It's, it's true. Which technically means I know more than Brian Gutekunst, so there. <laughs> so I discovered this little nugget when I was going back and looking at Josh McDaniels because I was really trying to get to the heart of is he a good hire or not, and it just it was kind of tough. So let's just run through this really quick. So the Denver Broncos in 2008, this is with Mike Shanahan. Their defensive coordinator was Bob Slowick. Slowick, Slowick, doesn't matter. Defense is terrible, one of the worst in the NFL. 2009, Josh McDaniels comes in. He brings with him Mike Nolan as his defensive coordinator. Defense isn't bad. For whatever reason, he moves on to Miami. I don't know if he got fired. I can't imagine that's the case because of the turnaround that came in. I would assume Miami offered him more money. I don't have a clue, but he left. Actually, you know what it might have been? McDaniels was fired partway through the season, so maybe, whatever, it doesn't matter. Point is, 2010, Don Martindale comes in as the defensive coordinator. The team goes 32nd in points, 32nd in yards, dead last in every single category. Thank you, Don Martindale, worst defensive coordinator in the history of the world, right? They just did a complete 180 turnaround in 2009. 2010, dead last in points, dead last in yards, worst defense in the history of the known universe. Now, again, this may have been him getting promoted defensive coordinator because there was a new regime that came in, everybody got fired. I have no idea why they would fire their last defensive coordinator, but it doesn't matter. Bottom line is, he was a linebacker's coach. In 2019, or 2009, he was the linebacker's coach for the Denver Broncos. Whether it was de facto or whether he was legitimately promoted, whatever, he gets promoted to defensive coordinator, he gets his shot, completely tanks the defense. It's so bad he gets hired by the Baltimore Ravens as an inside linebackers coach. He, he regresses. Not he, He's not a linebackers coach. Inside linebackers. He does that for four years. Then he gets promoted to linebackers coach. Then he gets promoted just this year to defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are second in points, first in yards. Best defense in the NFL. By a lot. Last year they were sixth and twelfth. It... it <laughs> If you would have just asked me what's going to happen when they promote this guy from linebacker's coach to defensive coordinator, looking at it and saying they were 6th and 12th, which is almost identical to what the Baltimore or what the Denver Broncos were when he came in as defensive coordinator and they tanked to dead last, I would have said this is going to be a nightmare. Their defense is going to completely fall apart. He made them the best defense in the NFL. How could anybody have predicted that? You can't predict that. You can't know that. It's, it's just, I mean, he's gained experience. He's been with the Ravens for a long time. Uh, maybe a better fit. I mean, you hear about the Packers talk about culture. Culture matters. Maybe he wasn't a Denver Broncos guy. Maybe the way that they played football just wasn't right for him. Maybe the way the Baltimore Ravens play football matches his personality. Maybe he matches up with the players. Maybe he understands the players. Maybe he understands the scheme. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but he got another shot at defensive coordinator, and he built the best defense in the NFL. Now, that's as far as points and yards. Obviously, if you go to Pro Football Focus, they're not the best, but it's hard to argue with the numbers here. And again, that, that's another thing that's impressive about Mr. Martindale here is because Pro Football Focus is looking at a aggregation of the players. Who has the best players is what Pro Football Focus tells us. This is telling us who has the best stats. 
The Bears have the best players. The Ravens have the best stats. According to Pro Football Focus, they have the 10th best players. It seems to me Mr. Martindale has done a pretty fantastic job taking the 10th best defense and making them basically number one in stats. Unbelievably impressive. So okay, I just wanted to give you that because you, ju- you just can't look at the past to understand anything. Nothing makes any sense. It's just right place at the right time. Right guy with the right head coach, with the right leadership, in the right city, with the right players, in the right division, with the right schedule, with the right message. Everything just comes together to make things either work or not work. And to look at 2012 or 2009 and what a head coach did back then to try to take that and and act as though that has any bearing on what's going to happen if Josh McDaniels or Adam Gase or anybody comes to Green Bay in 2019 with this team, with this GM, with these coordinators, with this message, with this kind of locker room atmosphere. There's just, it, it's, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. None of us know. We can pretend, we can have opinions, but our opinions and, and what forms our opinions are so fractionally small as opposed to what actually goes in and, and comes together as an actual outcome in a season. It's unbelievable how fractionally small it is. 0. 0.000 to the 50th percentile, whatever. That's not even math. I'm just making up words to make it sound small. Fractional teenth percentile, all right? Just have no idea. And it just it's getting to the point where it's like, you know what? We'll just see. <laughs> I'm going to have opinions and give, I, give facts because I have to. But man, nobody has any idea. Because none of this stuff makes any sense. Nothing in the NFL ever makes sense. Trying to make sense of it is a very, very fun endeavor, but it's just completely futile. All right, so we got playoff football today. Let's talk about some of these teams that are coming up and uh, my personnel thoughts. Not I, Well, yeah, I guess kind of personnel. Personal. Personal thoughts. So the first game we've got is the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. I'd, I'm, gonna, I'm pretty excited to see this game. First of all, I haven't really seen any of these teams play. I like both of these teams. It's a divisional game, which is kind of crazy. I've been kind of rooting for the Colts for a while because I just kind of feel for Andrew Luck. I feel like he's a really good and underrated quarterback. He's finally, I mean, this, this is this is kind of like, I'm rooting for him because it's kind of like rooting for the Packers in a way. Really good quarterback, just not good stuff around him, right? He's got T.Y., which is cool, not a good offensive line, terrible defense, but suddenly, like, hey, the defense is kind of clicking, and we got an offense, and maybe we can make a run. And it's kind of like, maybe if they can do it, who knows? just takes one year. If we can get a good defense next year, patch up the offensive line a little bit, maybe get one more weapon, could just make a run, man. But there's also the Texans, and uh, Deshaun Watson is a talented guy. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins I really, really like, partly because I've been tooting his horn for a long time. Me and a buddy of mine have been talking about DeAndre I don't know, for the last couple of years, saying he's he's probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. So um, he's finally getting the respect he deserves. Hopefully that'll happen to Devontae one of these days. But um, yeah, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. So it'll be good. It'll be a good matchup. It'll be nice to be able to actually just sit down and enjoy a football game. Uh, there's no other football games distracting me. There's no fantasy football distracting me. I don't have to sit on Twitter and tweet out things because I feel obligated to do that during a Packers game. It's just one game, huge implications, divisional game. I've mentioned before that it's, it's um, for the most part, you're going to find a Super Bowl championship team that has either top five and points for, points against, or quarterback. For the Houston Texans, they are 
number four in points against. Their defense is unbelievable, which is another thing that's going to be cool to watch. They've got a really good defense. Never really get a chance to watch that team play. I've admired their defense for a while, and it, it's one of those things where they're always injured, right? J.J. Watt and all these other guys are constantly getting injured, but you've got Jadavian Clowney really starting to come into his own. I've really admired him. J.J. Watt is a freak. They've got a lot of other good pieces there. So top five defense, and the Colts are fifth in points four and also third as far as their quarterback. So they're top five in two of those categories, and their defense right now is uh, 10th in points against, and their defense is also getting more and more improved. In fact, since their bye week, looking at week 10 and beyond, uh, 16.38 points. That's all they're allowing so far. The Texans on the season, and remember, they're fourth in points. On the season so far, 19.75 points. <coughs> Which is to say, you could argue that the Colts' defense is actually better than the, te- the uh, Texans' defense right now. In fact, the, um, the Bears' defense, who's number one, in the NFL in points against, their average for the season is 17.67. So the best defense in points against allowed 17.69, basically whatever, 17-ish points per game. And the Colts since Week 10 have allowed less than 17. Their defense is no joke, man. I'm trying to find a comp for the Texans, and it's really hard to do because what I've realized is there's only two kinds of Super Bowl championship teams. There's either really good quarterbacks or really terrible quarterbacks. So again, I, the, the Eagles I'm removing, but I guess you could say really good because he was elite the last two games. The Patriots had the number one quarterback. The Broncos, I'm going through the list of Super Bowl winners the last several years, uh, with Peyton Manning was 39th. Then uh, Drew, uh, the Patriots, 5th, 2014, 7th, 2013 with the Ravens, 24th. And 5th, 4th, 3rd, 35th, 29th. So it's like really good quarterback or really trash quarterback, but a good defense. The Texans, which is Sean Watson, he's currently ranked 12th, according to PFF, is his his, uh, rank. But if I really had to compare, I would actually say 2011 Packers is probably where they're the closest. Now, Aaron Rodgers was ranked 4th, so the quarterback doesn't exactly line up. But the Packers were 10th in points that year. Texans are 11th. The Packers' defense was 2nd in points allowed. The Texans' defense is 4th in points allowed. So looking at it from a points perspective... As far as overall talent, I, that's kind of my comp. I think the uh, the Texans are the 2011 Packers. Interestingly enough, when we played in that wild card game that year, which is where the Texans are starting out, we played the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles had, were third in points, 21st in points against. So a little bit better offense than the Texans, but nowhere near as good of a defense. So this is going to be a better football game, I think. Definitely not counting them out, but uh, the Texans are going to have to do something pretty similar to what we did. And that's going to be to rely on that defense of yours to keep the offense in check. This was the number three, talking about the Green Bay Packers, Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles are number three offense in terms of points. Packers defense cupped them to 16 points. So Texans defense is going to have to really step up. I talked not too long ago about the Denver Broncos and how they're, they're one year and out, or the, the wild card and out. Actually, it was divisional round, whatever. First one game and out. This was a top defense who just got blown out of the water. Texans are going to have to be on point because the the Colts' defense is pretty hot. So I'm not I'm not counting on Deshaun Watson to go ahead and get 48 points. Need the defense to kind of step up. Looking at the Colts, um, if I had to do a comp for a past Super Bowl winner, I would probably say the 2015 New England Patriots. The Patriots had the fifth best quarterback. They were eighth on defense in points against and fourth in points for. Um, the Colts are fifth in points for. So let me just do this comparatively so it makes more sense. Patriots, as far as points for, were fourth. Colts are fifth. Patriots were eighth in points against. 
Colts are 10th. And then um, Tom Brady was the fifth best quarterback. Andrew Luck is the third best quarterback. So very, very comparable in that way. Another really good comp there, if you actually look at this team, which is, you know, 2015 was the year they won, 2014 season for the Patriots, their defense wasn't nearly as good uh, prior to their bye as it was after the bye. And guess what? After the bye, you know what their uh, their average points allowed were? 16.42, almost the same as the Colts. So again, their defense in points against is 8th, pretty close to the Colts in 10th. But if you look at since their bye week, only allowing 16 points, I guarantee this was number one in the NFL. Almost exact situation. They went up against the Baltimore Ravens in their first game. Ravens were 8th in points for, 6th in points against. So pretty similar to the Texans. They're kind of balanced. Better defense than offense. But still, pretty much top 10 in both categories. Texans do have a better defense. But this is almost the opposite situation here. In this game, the game was 31-35. to 35. So in this case, you got two good offenses going at it. So it could go either way for this game. It could be that the two offenses take off and it's about one of these teams winning out that way or it could come down to a defensive battle because both teams have a pretty good defense. Personally, if I'm picking a winner here, I am going to pick the uh, the Indianapolis Colts. They have won just about every single one of their home games since, uh, let's see, since week five. However, the one game they did win at home, it was against the Indianapolis Colts in week 14, 21-24. to Very, very close game. It could go either way. Texans do have home field advantage, but I just feel like the Colts are really, really hot. I think they have the better quarterback. I think they arguably have the better defense. Those are the two biggest variables. So I don't know where else to go with it other than to uh, pick the Colts to win this game. The other game we've got coming up today, Seahawks-Cowboys. Honestly, I don't even know who to root for. I don't like either of these teams. I think I have more respect for the Seahawks because of Russell Wilson. But, I mean, they kind of beat us up pretty bad over the years, and I don't appreciate that. Cowboys, we've been beaten up on, but you're just you're just not supposed to like the Cowboys, and I don't think I do. And I don't like Ezekiel Elliott, so just because I feel like he was overrated in college, and then he went to a team with a great offensive line, and he proved me wrong because the offensive line went away, and he's still pretty good, and I just don't like him. But let's dive in for fun anyways. First of all, my uh, little equation, you got to have top five in something, which again, isn't always the case. Uh, you've got the 20, 2008 Giants were not top five in any of those categories, and the 2013 Ravens were not top, top five in any of those categories. Although I have put in the caveats that I think later in the season, if you would have just looked at, you know, second half of the year or just postseason, you would have seen an offense uh, points for, points against, or quarterback that was top five. In other words, they started playing like it. But anyways... As of right now, the Seahawks don't have that. They're close in points for their sixth. Maybe that's good enough. But uh, points against their defense is 11th, and then Russell Wilson is currently ranked 7th. So he is outside of that uh, that range there. Also, the Cowboys. So <laughs> somebody has to win. But as far as our, am I picking any of these teams to win the Super Bowl? No, I'm not. Even if I hadn't done this work prior to, I probably wouldn't anyways. But now that I'm looking at it, I just don't see it. The Cowboys are 22nd in points. Sixth, again, pretty close in points against. The defense is not bad. But then they've got a quarterback that's ranked 19th, which is not very good. If I'm looking to do comps, starting with the Seahawks, it's kind of tough. I mean, the only one that's even close, and I hate to, to duplicate, but it's probably 2015 Patriots. You know, 6-11, and 11, they're 4-8. and eight. Russell Wilson, 7. Tom Brady was 5. I mean, it's the only thing that's really kind of close. You know, offense that's kind of top 5-ish defense that's kind of around top 10-ish, and then a quarterback who's in that like fifth-ish range, that's the 2015 Patriots. Problem is, the Seahawks aren't the 2015 Patriots. So again, 
I'm not going to go super in-depth here because I already talked about the 2015 Patriots, but that's just kind of what it is. That would be the closest comp, but again, are you the 2015 Patriots? I can look back at the Colts and say, you know what, there's some real serious comparisons here. I can look at the Texans with the Packers and say, you know what, legitimately, right? Because not only is the defense stronger, but you look at the offense, what does the offense has have to fight despite its deficiencies? Deshaun Watson and that wide receiver, is, you, Packers you could have said wide receivers, but it's, it's a good defense, but you can't focus on the defense. Look at that offense. So there is some very legitimate comparisons there. This, it's a weak comparison in my opinion. It's the best I can do, but I just, I don't like it. I'm not giving them that respect. Not at this point. We'll see how they play. The best I can do for the Cowboys, and it's, it's another weak comparison, but it's the 2016 Broncos. It's actually not bad until you get to the quarterback. So the, the Broncos offense, as far as points, was 19th. The Cowboys are 22nd. The Broncos' defense points against was 4th, and the Cowboys are 6th. But Dak Prescott is better than Peyton Manning was. Remember, Peyton Peyton Manning is one of the greatest of all time. I'm not trying to trash him, but at this point in his career, that defense was literally dragging him. They literally won games just on defense. I'm talking about actual points. In other words, you take away defensive points, they would have lost probably like 4 or 5 games. Not even exaggerating. The defense was actually scoring points for the offense. And they were still 19th. <laughs> the defense is not getting credit for points. So we're 19th in points, and a good portion came from the defensive picks and all this other stuff. So, you know, I mean, it's it's another relatively weak... Basically, they're their own team. I don't want to call it a weak comparison in that they can't win. They're not as good. They're, they're a different team. I would be much more scared of the Cowboys' offense than I am was of the... the pay, what am I saying? The Broncos' offense. But this defense is nowhere near as good as the Broncos' defense was. That was a scary good defense. They don't have the pass rusher. I mean, they do have a good pass rusher, but he's not Von Miller. They don't have the secondary with Aqib Tlaib and, and those kinds of guys. I mean, they had like the number one and number two corners in the NFL. They don't, the Cowboys don't have really good corners. Um, as far as who would I pick to win, they're both on a real big winning streak. I mean, the, the Dallas Cowboys, since they got Amari Cooper, have been a different kind of team. They picked up Amari in week nine. In week 10, they they, they basically have one out. I mean, well, since they got him, let's just put it that way. So prior to Amari Cooper, they were, their record was three and four. Since Amari Cooper, seven and two. Now, I'm not going to say it's all Amari, but that's impressive. In fact, and you can kind of stick this one in your back pocket, they're, over the course of the season, they've scored about 21 points per game. Since they got Amari Cooper, they've been scoring 22 points a game. So the offense really hasn't changed all that much, but whatever. New energy, new focus, since their bye week, whatever you want to call it, they've been on a real good winning streak here, with the exception of getting completely blown out by the Colts, who I think are a much better football team. They've been pretty good. Granted, they beat the Giants, who aren't very good, and they only beat them by one. They beat the Bucks, who are a joke. They beat the Eagles, who are not very good, and they only beat them by six. But they beat the Saints by three. That's impressive. They beat the Redskins, who are garbage. Falcons, who are garbage. Equals, again, who aren't very good. And the Titans are, well, the Titans beat them. So... I mean, they beat one playoff team, the Saints. That was cool. But, I look, I, I don't know. Seahawks are in a very similar boat. At one point in the season, they were 4-6. and six. Since then, they've gone 6-1. and one. Beat the Packers, beat the Panthers, beat the 49ers, beat the Vikings, beat the Chiefs and the Cardinals. They lost to the 49ers in overtime. So, similar to the Cowboys, you can look at that and go, okay, there's a lot of trash in there. But they also beat the Chiefs, which is cool, but they also lost to the 49ers. So... Look, I, I think one of the things that I've known for a while, and a lot of the stuff I've been talking about is, is new, but one of the things I've known for a while is 
consistency is what wins, and which it's also why defense is so important because it keeps things kind of steady. This volatility is very dangerous in the playoffs. It's why the Packers couldn't win. When you have a defense that gives up 40-some points, you can't win with that, man. you got to keep things steady. And the Seahawks losing to the 49ers and then beating the Chiefs is about as volatile as you can get. I mean, they, they, they gave up 26 points to the 49ers, which is terrible. They gave up 31 to the Chiefs, and then they gave up 24 to the Cardinals. Their defense has not been very good for the last three weeks. 24 isn't a ton, but it's the Arizona Cardinals, and it's week 17. It's when you should be playing your best, and the Cardinals should be crying in a corner somewhere. You can, you can say the same thing for the Cowboys, too, though. I mean, you can wrap it up and say, so therefore the Cowboys win. But look at look at week 17 against the Giants. You gave up 30, 35 points to the Giants. You only beat them by one point. Very narrowly did you beat the Giants. So I, man, oh man. I guess in this case, I have to pick the Seahawks, even though I don't really like the volatility. They both have volatility. But when you look at the three most important components, the only thing the Cowboys have an advantage in is, is defense. And it's not that big of a defense just in terms of points. The Cowboys' defense is 6th, the Seahawks is 11th. However, look at the difference, the discrepancy in offense and quarterback play. Cowboys in in points is 22nd, Seahawks are 6th. If you look at the ranking of quarterbacks, the Cowboys are 19th, the Seahawks are 7th, or, you know, Dak is 19th and, and Russell Wilson is 7th. Even though I like the Cowboys' roster more, even though the Cowboys are at home, which is a really big variable. I'm just going with my new little formula here, and I'm looking at the most critical pieces, points for, points against, and quarterback, and I'm saying that the, the, the Seahawks have it better in this capacity. Everything in me says pick the Cowboys. I'm picking the Seahawks. So Seahawks-Colts, that's my, uh, my pick. I'm definitely more excited to see the, um, the Texans and Colts game because I think that's a better game. I think those are two very legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Um, but the NFC game should be good too, just because I'm you know, excited to see one of these teams lose. Also do want the best team to win, and actually it would be nice to see one of these teams play really well because we've got some serious stuff at stake. For example, I need the Saints and the Bears to lose, and um, you know, hopefully the Bears lose tomorrow. But if not, I'm going to need somebody to take them out because if they win a Super Bowl, I'm going to lose it. But anyways, that's about it. Hope you guys enjoy your um, Saturday. Got some, uh, some playoff football, man. It's a real deal now. So enjoy your day. Maybe in your free time, check out NFLBigBoard.com and Packernet.com just to make sure you're up on everything. Have, a, have, a, have, have some fun, man. Order some pizza. Which, by the way, if any of you guys are happen to be a CEO of a pizza place, I've kind of decided that if I'm ever going to have a sponsor, it's going to be food-related and something that's awesome. It doesn't have to be food, but it's got to be something awesome. I'm, I'm not doing nonsense advertisements. But, I mean, like, squirt. I think that'd be kind of funny. <laughs> You know, the drink, 7 and, or not 7 and 7, that's alcohol, 7 up, that's not what I, oh, 50-50, that was the other one, remember that stuff? My grandma used to have that all the time, squirt and 50-50, nobody in the world had that, but she did, and I thought it was amazing. So, you know, Pizza Hut or squirt, if the CEO's out there listening, I'd like to run an ad for you. Whatever, anyways, you folks, enjoy your day, I'll talk to you tomorrow, have a good one, bye-bye.